What is up, guys? Welcome to Close Monday. My name is Kyle and Sarah, and this is the show for restaurant owners, for chefs, for culinary students, for startup restaurants, anyone brave enough to take on the challenge of running a restaurant and the pursuit of being what we like to call a restaurant entrepreneur. This is your absolute lifeline, your go-to for real world, no nonsense, in-depth chats and war stories from people who have been in your shoes. Now, you're all on the same quest here, looking for that perfect solution, that perfect piece of technology that's gonna streamline your operations, the killer marketing strategy, the new social media platform that's gonna put your restaurant on the map, the rock solid suppliers who've always got your back. But let's not be naive, there's a lot more to this. Most importantly, things like capital raising, making sense of insurance, and playing real estate like a professional, that's all part of the package. And one of my favorite parts, by the way. But what you need to understand is that each one of these challenges, they're really just opportunities. And as industry veterans, myself, my guests, we're gonna bring battle-hardened knowledge and cutting-edge insights to the table every single week. We've been in it. We've had our neck on the line. We've lost money, we've made money. We've had staff, we've lost staff. We know how it impacts our personal lives. We're gonna help you navigate this entire business. Our goal, sole goal, is to give you the information to reach your goals while you stay true to what's most important to you. And what I know, what's important to you are things like quality, hospitality, innovation, sustainability, staying ahead of the curve, staying up with trends, and of course, providing an unforgettable guest experience. So whether you're a seasoned professional, you're a restaurant entrepreneur, or you're a rookie about to jump into your first business, grab a seat, pour yourself a drink, a cup of coffee, put your AirPods on, grab the dog, go for a walk, hit the treadmill, sit on the couch, whatever you're gonna do, we're gonna drop some serious knowledge on you. And it starts right now. Welcome to Close Monday. Hands down, the most embarrassing mistake I made as a restaurant owner was hiring the wrong accountant and trusting that he was doing the right thing. Now, the main thing that he was in charge of was sales tax. And long story short, didn't get paid, didn't get paid on time, didn't get paid in full. And our little 40 seat restaurant wound up owing the state of New York $180,000 in sales tax. But that was before Davo. Davo automates your sales tax. It integrates with your POS, so it automatically sets aside the sales tax funds daily. Then, when it comes time to remit these funds to the state, Davo files and pays the sales tax for you on time and in full. You know, it's easier. Take a little bit out every day as opposed to this big chunk due at the end of the month or at the end of the quarter. It would have changed my business, would have changed really my life. Because let's face it, when you're running a restaurant, those bills that are due, they keep you awake at night. Not with Davo, it's all taken care of. So it integrates with your POS. So whether you have Toast, Square, Clover, Lightspeed, uh, SkyTab, uh, whatever you have, Revel, they integrate with them and they're adding new partners every day. So you never have to worry about sales tax again. In the show notes, there's a link where you can schedule a call with the customer success team. Let them know that you heard about Davo on the Close Monday podcast and they'll hook you up. Never worry about sales tax ever again. Keep your eye on what matters, which is running your business day in, day out, and let Davo take care of the sales tax. All right, guys, welcome. Ooh, 
Oh, here we go. All right, guys, welcome back to Closed Monday. I think the uh, the rain is playing a little bit of a... Are you having this weather that we're having? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So maybe we got a little interference, but uh, Chip Close is back joining us on the show. Last time you were on the show, it wasn't even called Closed Monday, so this is like, a, this is like episode one, really, yeah. but um, we're going to get into the book. Yeah. Right? He's a restaurant coach, but he also has a book out. Uh, the Restaurant Marketing Mindset, we're going to go through that. But Chip, what's going on, man? Other than other than writing books, how's everything? Yeah, the writing of the book took uh, quite a bit. Things are good, man. Uh, the mastermind is growing. Yep, I'm a coach, as you said. Uh, we keep growing that thing. We've already filled and capped two groups. We just opened a third group. So wow, that thing's going, uh, which is great. Uh, and traveling a bunch for uh, speaking gigs. I just went uh, the furthest I've ever gone for speaking gig. Went to New Zealand, the Restaurant Association of New Zealand flew me down there to give the keynote at their annual conference, which was awesome. As it turns out, uh, the country is beautiful. Uh, the people are amazing and the food is incredible. So that was cool. And yeah, now just talking to anybody who will listen uh, about the book, cause I'm really proud of it. It was a, it was a long time coming and thrilled that it finally gets to see the light of day. And you were just at FS tech, right? Yeah. Just went to FS tech for 21 hours. Did you, were you there? No, I wasn't there, but I mean, I saw a lot of you guys went, well, how was that? What was that about? So FS Tech, I've never been, uh, and I couldn't go for longer than a day because my wife was also traveling for work. She had two back-to-back conferences that week. Oh, man. And we had to leave our son with my mother-in-law, and I just didn't want to leave him for too long. It was a real failure on my part, but that <laughs> show is incredible. Really? The, the people who are in the room. The people you get to listen to, the the way you connect, and it's a whole conference about hospitality and tech. Specifically, not only how we can incorporate technology to make more money, but what they really seem to be focused on is what's the future of the industry? We understand that it's changing. It can't stay the same. Mm. And how can we use technology to actually be more hospitable, which is exactly what I care about, which is uh, yeah. I just think the industry's changing. I think the model will be wildly different 10 years from now. I think it'll be different five years from now given all these pieces that are coming in. And so hearing hundreds, thousands of other people who believe the same thing uh, was was really awesome. Yeah, I think that is, I mean, we talk about tech a lot on the show. Obviously, you know how important it is. It just seems like, I think operators need to get to shows like this, right? Because it is so much information and that one-on-one time where you can talk to the people who actually created the technology or implemented this technology I think that's what you need to hear. So here's the interesting thing about the show and that show in particular. It's not even talking about, hey, you need this thing. Let me show you my, a lot of other shows. You get a POS system. Mm. You get reservation systems, right? They're trying to talk to you, uh, uh, a scheduler, right? Like schedule software. It's all things that you know you need. That show in particular is like, this is how the industry is changing. You can't even see it yet but five steps down the road, 10 steps down the road, this is what you're gonna need, that they're really thinking outside the box. I talk about this a lot, right, about the model, right? The model of restaurants is changing and it needs to change. We can't keep bitching about the rising costs, bitching about rent and labor and all of that. Like all of that stuff is increasing because we want people to make a living wage, because you know everybody needs to get paid along the supply chain, all of that. But because of that, right? Danny Meyer said this famously, what, 20 years ago, this industry was built on the promise of cheap rent and cheap labor. So what happens when neither of those are true any longer? And this industry hasn't answered that question. Technology, I believe, is is very much a part of that solution. 
And so just restructuring, re rethinking the model of restaurants. Restaurants have been around thousands of years. We just keep talking about the model that was invented like 250 years ago in Paris. Yeah, right. Where you come in, they give you a menu. Here's what you can pick from. Tell me what you want, and I'll bring yeah. it to you, and you'll pay for it at the end. Like, that's not the holy grail. It's certainly not the only way we can do it. And if you look back thousands of years, restaurants were very different. And I think we're coming to an inflection point mm. where that has to change. And I think that will change for a lot of concepts out there. And so that's sort of what that industry, there's people yeah. talking about AI and really how we use AI, not just in a superficial way, but how it's gonna change everything, how we use dynamic pricing, right? Dynamic pricing, we're, we're just at the, at the, on the edge oh, of yeah. a cliff when it comes to that and what that can mean for our industry in really beneficial ways. That was really cool to see. Yeah, and I think it's, I mean, a lot of romanticizing the past. Right. I mean, hospitality yeah. folks are in love with the emotion of what it was like and how it was. And just prior to the pandemic, I mean, I, we were guilty of this, too, at my restaurant. We're like, we don't do things that way. They were trying to give us this was, I don't know, 2013, 2014. They're like, you should be doing, you know, we have this technology where you can do inventory now. We were like, OK, let's just slow down. But obviously, <laughs> the last couple of years have changed that. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's just a little bit intimidating to some folks. So I think getting to these shows and talking to people and yeah. listening to podcasts, books and you got to learn. Otherwise, it's at your own peril. I mean, that's there, really the end of the story. That's really there is something is. really energizing about being in a room with a bunch of other people who are looking for solutions, right? When you mm -hmm. attend a trade show. I spend a lot of time when I was at FS Tech, we were talking. I said, 99% of all operators don't go to trade shows. Oh, I think no. every restaurant that I've ever worked in in New York City, nobody would get caught dead at a trade show. Yeah. And that's a problem because yeah. there are actual solutions there. There's actual information, and, and if you're just ignorant to it, um, you're missing out on, on so much because there are really brilliant people sort of working on the next thing and the next, next thing. Yeah, there you go, guys. So get, get your ass to a trade show. I mean, the thing is like, oh, I can't take a day off. It was seen as like, yeah. oh, you're gonna take a day off to go to a trade show? That's not for us. We're not that type of restaurant, but you need the information, and that's where it's happening. So uh, that's awesome. Any other shows you're heading to this year that are worth mentioning? So next year, yeah, I'll go back to Bar and Restaurant Expo. I always mm -hmm. go out there to speak. I will probably go back to FS Tech next year. I'm sort of working with the team to figure out a way to make that happen. I always do the New York show. I usually do the Western Food Expo. Mm -hmm. Those are the two things I do. And then I don't know if there's a show that you think I should be at. I'm all ears. Yeah. And there's trying to be more and more picking picking and choosing. Obviously, make, it's got to make sense for everybody. But yeah, I'm with you. I think the uh, the restaurant show this year was a lot to absorb. Yeah. Um, but always good to see all the faces there. I think it's a networking opportunity, obviously, yep. for, for a lot of different folks. You know, if you're interested in just chatting with other people in the industry, I think it's a must. But yeah, I think I got to check out FS Tech. I think the restaurant finance conference is one that's always on my radar. Yeah. Um, a little bit more heady for like expansion type stuff. But all right, so let's let's just get into the book, dude. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about marketing. It. That we, we we chatted enough. People don't want to hear us talking shit anymore. Sorry. <laughs> So I've known you for a while now. I was I ran into you on the street that day. Remember that? That day? was great. <laughs> when we were there for the uh, the New York show. The New York show. That's right. And um, you know, let's just let's just talk about what compelled you to write the restaurant marketing mindset. I mean, yeah, was for like sure. A one time eureka moment, or were you like on your mind for a while? How did that come to be? It's all part of, and I'm sure this is true with you, right? Like, hey, why did you start your podcast? Why do you talk about what you talk about, right? Because you sort of watch people struggling with stuff. And it compels you to do it. It's the same reason I started my podcast. It's the same reason why I started coaching. Same reason why I put out this book. Now, this is really stems from a conversation I had with Sean Walshef, a very good friend of, of ours, 
who says you can't dictate the way that people uh, consume your content or the way that people are impacted um, in the world. Some people mm -hmm. like to read a book. Some people like to listen to a podcast. Some people just want to watch a short video. You can't dictate. So help them in whatever way they want to be helped. Ultimately, I think when we talk about marketing and specifically independent operators, they always tell me one of two things. When I say, hey, talk to me about your marketing. They say one of two things, and I'm sure you know it. Number one, they say, well, we don't do marketing, right? That's for big companies. We're just a, we're just a sub shop in whatever town, yeah. right? But if Crazy. you sell things to other human beings, you have to figure out which human beings uh, you should be selling to. So yeah. that's marketing. <laughs> uh, but they tell me, no, they can't afford to do it because they're not a big company. They have no money. Mm. Or the other side, I say, hey, tell me about your marketing. And they start telling me, oh, well, we post to Facebook four times a week, and we do three stories and two reels. They're telling me about their social media stuff. Right. And that's not marketing either. Mm. So I went, uh, well, what is marketing and how can we help people who don't think they can do marketing or don't truly understand? How can we give them an easy play by play framework? I mean, we were talking before we hit record, right? This book is mercifully short. It's like 204 mm. pages. It's really straightforward, very actionable. There are little assignments at the end of each chapter. So you can work through it and actually say, OK, I learned something. Now, what do I what do I do with it? Right. There's a workbook. You can there's like yeah. a link where you can go and get a free download of the workbook. So the great. idea is, how do you put it into practice? Great. I taught you something. You say, well, I didn't think of it like that. Great. What can I do? How can I how can I implement this? Ultimately, that was the point of the book is that how can we get people to change their mindset? It's called the restaurant marketing mindset. How can we get readers, restaurant owners, operators to change the way they think about marketing so that they understand actually what marketing is. And that's where we start. I mean, the entire book says, let's come up with a definition for marketing rather than some big academic thing. I start mm -hmm. there and say, what is marketing? And when I ask people that, they give me this whole like gobbledy, gobbledygook word salad. And I say, no, 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 here's all it is. It's, answer, it's three questions. What's the product? Who is it for? And how do you reach them? Mm. And right. I think that makes it actionable. Right. Yeah. In the book, we also talk about how marketing is done in one of two directions. Right. Either you come up with a product and you go try to find customers for the product. P.S. That's what most restaurants do. Or you do it in reverse and you say, who are some customers that need something? And let me go provide them with the something they need, which is what the best companies in the world do, not just the best restaurants. The best companies in the world say, who is a problem that I can solve? Right. Who is a problem that I'm uniquely qualified to solve? And then let me go craft a solution. So you just walk around then tapping people on the shoulder. Say, hey, you know that problem? Yeah, I, I saw. I, I know you have that problem. I got a great solution. Come check it out. Yeah. Ultimately, that's where the book starts and we build from there. I just wanted people to think differently about how they market and to make sure that they understood you, didn't need a, you, know, you don't need an MBA to be able to market your restaurant. It's just about figuring out who needs something, who needs something that I can provide them with, and how do I let them know that I've got what they're looking for? Ultimately, that's what marketing should be. Yeah, I mean, for me, when it comes to marketing, I, it's, it's hard to get that conversation going. Like you said, they they don't want to seem like they're out of touch, or maybe they have they're misguided, and they'll mention something like social media. But what is the like? What is the reason why we can't get restaurant owners to shift from like, no, no, I don't have time for that. I don't have money yep. for that. I need to focus on my food. Yep. Like, yep. how do, but why, why does that disconnect exist? Ultimately, it exists, and you know this. Anybody listening to this show knows this. It's because restaurant owners and many operators are required to wear a dozen hats, right? right? They are chef, 
they are manager, they are HR director, they are marketing director, they are operations, they are maintenance. They, they have to do so much that to put one more thing on them, it's like, ugh, it's, it's the last thing that oftentimes they think of because the other things, right? Well, I need to be the maintenance and I need to be engineering because I need to open my doors. Yeah. So I have to figure out how to fix this thing, right? I need to be HR because I need to hire people who can help me do this thing. There are lots of things that you need before you get a customer. And of course you need a customer to be able to keep the doors open. But that's, I think, where you come from, right? That, mm. That's where it comes from. It yeah. stems from, it feels like one more hat and it feels like a skill set that I need that I just don't have time. And right. that's where the book comes from saying, hey, let's take a look. all the, I mean, I think I use like three academic terms, right? I got my MBA, I went, I learned all this crap so that you didn't have to, right? Mm. So that I can boil it down to yeah. really simple things saying, okay, great. I, you don't need the, the academic definition. If I read it to you, you'd say, this is garbage. I don't know what to do with that. But when I say, you just have to answer these three questions. What's the product? Who's it for? How do we reach them? And we say, okay, my product's a restaurant. Right. My restaurant exists for people looking for a special occasion. Great. So I'm looking for people looking to celebrate. Where, where am I going to find them? Right. How would I communicate what I have? Then it becomes easier. Yeah. The other thing, the other problem with marketing, and really what's, you know, what I think is woven through this book, is that rather than talking about all the stuff we do, like social media, well, I post here and I do this and reels and stories, and rather than focusing on the stuff you do, let's think about the things you need to accomplish, right? Mm -hmm. And we work it in reverse order. Everything we do in business should be about systems and goals. Proper goal setting requires that you say, what am I trying to achieve? Perfect, that's my goal. What am I gonna then do to try to achieve that goal? That's my system. A system yeah. is just a repeatable set of actions. I'm yeah. gonna do this and this and this to try to achieve the following goal of 120 covers a night, of $20,000 of revenue every week, of whatever that number is that you need. What are we trying to achieve? What are we gonna to do to achieve that? And then we just measure it. Did the stuff we did, did that work or did it not work? If it worked, we double down, we do right. more of it. If it didn't work, we scrap it, we go back to the drawing board, we figure new stuff out. That's the how do we reach them stuff, right? We're always trying to find new ways to reach them. But at the end, we got to figure out what are we trying to do? What are we going to do to achieve that? And then what worked and what didn't work? That's something that's woven into the book where it's fine. We're going to do a lot of stuff. We're going to send emails. We're going to update our website. We're going to focus on our Google My Business page. We're going to run ads. We're going to do direct mailers. We're going to do all that stuff. And yes, we're going to post on social media. But let's make sure we're really clear on what we're trying to accomplish. Because they say, hey, how do you reach new customers? They say, well, we post on Facebook five times a week. <laughs> yeah. Facebook will show your post to roughly two to 3% yeah. of your existing followers. Meaning you got a hundred, uh, thousand people that follow you, roughly 25 people see it. 25 people who already know you. So you're certainly not reaching anyone new no. unless you come with some really viral video that's a one in a million unicorn. That doesn't seem to be a strategy that scales. Yeah, no. So let's make sure if we're trying to hammer, we're not using a screwdriver. So if we're trying to reach new people, posting to Facebook will not accomplish that, right. which is why this framework of what are we trying to accomplish, then what are we doing to accomplish that? Yeah. And when we do that, when we say, well, I'm trying to reach new people using organic social media posts, then that's not a winning strategy. No. So it makes sense. And everything is sort of reverse engineered in the book. And that, that's a, a mindset shift. There are a series of mindset shifts throughout the book, but that's one of the big ones is that let's make sure we're really clear on what we're trying to accomplish.
Well, I think that that's what I like about the book for me is, you know, the, 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 the worksheets and sort of like those little mindset shift boxes, because yeah. for me, it is a mindset shift. And we, we were talking about just before we came on about Chris Doe, and there are a bunch of other people that I've looked to for inspiration, not only in the restaurant business, but in my business now. I mean, this book falls in that category of somebody's done the homework for you. Now you can apply it to your business. It's, it's a lang it's, there's language, there's strategies, there's techniques, yep. there's, there's all sorts of nuanced stuff that restaurant owners are like, hold on, I just know how to cook, I know how to provide hospitality, I know how to build a bird, whatever it is. But this is somebody telling you like, these are the principles that go for any business, you gotta figure yep. out how to make it work for the restaurant business. And yep. I think sometimes that can be a little bit intimidating, right? People don't like to be told what they don't know. I, I don't know if you've ever run into that with restaurant yeah. owners, but they're kind of <laughs> that Which way is, too. <laughs> so Kyle, it's exactly why I launched my podcast four and a half years ago, right? So the restaurant mm. strategy podcast has been going strong. We're up to, I don't know, 270 some episodes at this point. I'm really proud of that show, but I'm really pr proud of the community that we've cultivated through that show. I'm sure it's very similar to your community. Mm. It's people who show up saying, hey, I wanna be better. Yeah. I don't know it all. I wouldn't pretend to know it all. And I think I can learn more, a little bit more and a little bit more. I started that podcast because at the time I was consulting with restaurants and I found myself having the same conversations over and over and over. Right? They'd hire me to come run their Facebook ads. Mm. We just want you to run Facebook ads. I said, great, talk to me a little bit about your audience. Who are we trying to reach? What are they looking for? How do we solve their problem? They said, no, 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 you don't have to worry about any of this. Just run Facebook ads. I said, well, I have to target. You've mm. got to do target. The power of Facebook is the specificity that you get. So I need to know who I'm showing this ad to. I need to show I need to know what sort of compelling argument I can make that will convince them to click on the ad, that will convince them to come yeah. dine with you as opposed to someone else. So when we skate all over that, when we, when we, when we skip the, this whole thing of understanding who we're trying to serve and how we serve them and how we are differentiated from another competitor, meaning why would someone choose us as, a, uh, as opposed to someone else? We have to know that before we post on social media, before we run a Google ad, before we do anything. Yeah. So to skip over that, that's where I started the podcast. It's very much the foundation of why I wrote this book. I just thought, let's just make it really simple. And there aren't, at least out there, I wasn't finding a simple restaurant marketing book of how do you get yourself in the, in the frame of mind to convince other human beings to come try your restaurant, to convince yeah. other human beings to come back to your restaurant before they go try somewhere new, which is ultimately all we're trying to do. Right. At the end of the day, that's that's a successful marketing plan for, uh, for a restaurant. We talk about that in the book. I talk about something I call my triangle principle. For the life of me, I can't think of anything else we have to do to make a successful restaurant except these three things. Mm. I always talk about customer acquisition, customer retention, and what I call is evangelism. Right? So I call them in the book, attraction, retention, evangelism. We got to attract new customers. We got to retain those customers, get them to come back and come back with greater frequency and then get those people to go spread the good word about the great experience they had. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, that's word of mouth, right? <laughs> right? And we know that. So get them in, get them back, get them talking is, is sort of how it's framed in the book. If somebody knows anything else that we need to do to successfully market our restaurants, I'm all ears, but I've been doing it for a while and I've thought deeply about it for a while. That's all we have to do. Mm. So what are the specific things you do to get new people to walk in the door? Once you get those new people, and what are you specifically doing to get them to come back? So most of what's in this book are mindset shifts and strategies, Yeah. right? Ways of thinking about this. Because if I wrote a tactical book, it'd be outdated in six months.
Right. Because those tactics are always changing. That's what the podcast is for. That's what great blog posts are for. That's what trade shows are for. Find Mm -hmm. out what's working right now. Yeah. But if you know what you're trying to achieve, you say, well, I need need a new tactic. I need something else that will get new people in. That's when you go to a trade show and you listen to smart people talk from the stage. And they tell you, hey, this is what we do at Wendy's. This is what we do at McDonald's. Hey, this is what Ike's uh, Ike's Sandwiches does. This is, and you yeah. say, and you just start scribbling stuff down. But you've already thought about the goal, right? What am I trying to accomplish? And then you can say, well, great. What are some other things I can do to accomplish that? So yeah. the book is about re- reframing that for restaurant owners and operators because I truly believe if they just got their head straight about that and changed the way they think about it, they'd actually be way better at this than they give themselves credit for. Yeah, and, and in regards to like the like in my in the commercial real estate side, we're always looking for the core customer, right? We there's a lot of technology used to, to track who those core, to, to define who those core customers are. But I think one of the mistakes a lot of restaurants make is they're like, well, you know, we're we're for everyone, oh. anybody can come to our <laughs> restaurant, right? And I've heard in other industries, you know, it used to be like, well, who's your top three core customer segments, right? Yeah. 18, 23 year old male, you know, female, this sort of affluence. They went to this college. But I've also heard restaurants or other businesses rather going wider. Like, hey, we might have 20 different customer segments. What, what, how should they start looking at oh, who their customer actually is? It's a great question. It's really where the book starts, right? We answer the question, what is marketing? We define that. And then I walk people through uh, this framework, the ABCDs of marketing, right? So if there's anything I do well, it's distilling things down to their simplest, right? The, the really easy frameworks. Everyone can remember the ABCDs. ABCD stands for audience brand, competition, and differentiation. Mm, Ideally, you're answering these questions. Who am I trying to solve? Who has a problem that I'm uniquely qualified to solve? That's A, audience, right? B is brand. How How can I solve that problem? Your brand, your restaurant, the experience you craft is the solution to that problem. C, competition. Here's a way of thinking about your competitors differently than I think I've ever heard it framed, which is that, who else is out there trying to solve the same problem you are, right? So who has a problem? How can you solve that problem? Who else is trying to solve that same problem? When you've got competitors, you're in a category, right? You're in a category with other sushi restaurants or other fine dining restaurants or other yeah. sub shops. You're in a category. So then D is differentiation. How do you separate yourselves from those competitors? Because guess what happens? People say, let's go out for dinner tonight. What are you in the mood for? I don't know, just something chill. Immediately, they think of all the chill restaurants that are nearby. Right. So how do they choose you? How do you convince them to choose you instead of someone else? That's yeah. the framework that I teach in the beginning of the book. And it begins, again, with audience. So you're talking about your personas. It's very funny. So on the Restaurant Strategy Podcast, by the time this interview airs, uh, undoubtedly that will be out, episode 274, is all about this idea of personas and pain points. I talk about when I worked at Gotham. So Gotham Restaurant in New York City. Yeah, uh, it's just about 40 years old. It's an institution in New York. It's in the heart of Greenwich Village. And when I did the marketing there, we narrowed down our personas to four different types of people. Now, the way to think about personas is like this, right? You've got a population. The population of a market in New York City is 8 million people. That's mm. everyone. But immediately, right, like you said, hey, who's your restaurant for? Everyone, not even close. And what restaurant owners really mean there is I think everyone would love it here. I think we could take care of everyone, which is probably 100% true. I think we're really good at hospitality and taking care of people. But the restaurant is not for everyone. We talk about Gotham, for example, right? There's a lot of people who can't get there. It's just inconvenient. 
mm-hmm. right? To get from Staten Island or way up in the Bronx or in, there's yeah. people who never leave their borough, right? Right. There's a lot of people who can't get there. Yeah. There's a lot of people who can't afford to dine there, right? It's on average $130, $140 per head. So immediately, people who can't get there conveniently, people who can't afford to dine there, and finally, people who just don't like that food or that, that style or that, that kind right. of pretense because it's fine dining. So can't get there, can't afford it, don't like it. Immediately, we've narrowed it down to a, a relatively small yeah, segment. Great. Right. And everybody in the dining room, when we thought about personas, we narrowed it down to four. The way I think about personas is that if you look around your dining room on a Thursday night or a Friday night, everyone in your room should be able to get put into one of four buckets. Those buckets are your personas. Mm, so at Gotham, like and think about this, right? Big, fancy, fine dining restaurant, 150 seats, right? It's, it's sort of a, a glamorous place to be. Everybody was either a local meaning very wealthy resident in Greenwich Village. Mm-hmm. They were business person, right? Entertaining clients, doing some deal. They were special occasion people, people there celebrating their birthday, their anniversary. It was one of their one, two, three nice meals out every year. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we had tourists because we were uh, tons of accolades, three stars in the New York Times, one Michelin star, you know, all these James Beard awards, right? We were on lists. So if you were coming in, you wanted to dine, uh, you, yeah, you wanted to have a nice right. meal, on your weekend or your week in New York City, it was definitely on your list. It's one of the most popular restaurants in New York City. Everyone in the dining room fit into one of those four personas, locals, business people, special occasion people, or tourists. Mm -hmm. And they all had different pain points, right? The thing that the locals needed, right? These local residents who lived in a, you know, $15 million townhouse down the street. (laughs) They left a really high powered job. They needed a low key meal that was straightforward they could have a bowl of pasta and a nice glass of wine and not feel like, you know, they, they could just leave the nanny there for an extra 45 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Something to that effect. That was way different than what the tourists wanted. This is one of their one, two, maybe three nice meals yeah. for their entire week in New York City. Yeah. They needed a sure thing. They weren't used to spending 120 30 $140 a head. So if they were going to do it, they're going to make sure it's great. Right. Now, Gotham was known for a long time still relatively is, as being sort of right down the middle of the pike. It's, uh, it's very approachable. You can get yep. a strip steak, you can get a chicken, duck, lobster. Very little is going to be foreign to you. You're going to know pretty much all the ingredients. Everything's going to look like what you think it's going to look like. Unlike other fine dining restaurants across the city that are unique, that are pushing boundaries, you know, bringing in different flavors, different sort of, you know, international uh, flavors, different cultures. And that's not what Gotham was. Gotham was, you know, new American cuisine just sort of right down the middle of the pike. And so that's what the business people were looking for, who were going to entertain clients in from, let's say, Des Moines or, you know, somewhere in the middle of the country where maybe they wanted to make sure that they didn't feel out of place. There was something approachable. You know, same thing with the special occasion people. Same thing with the tourists. So they all had pain points that aligned with the the experience that Gotham provided. Once yeah. we identified that, then you, you market to them in very, very different ways, right? Yeah. How do we, how do we reach the tourists, right? right? Yeah. They don't all receive it the same way. I mean, that's same thing for just kind of proof, proof here that in our, in the real estate side, that's another layer that we've added to the real estate site selection, which is how do, when you enter a new market, who's your core customer? How do they, there's all sorts of technology now that will do this. How do they like to receive their marketing? Yeah. It's it's not the same for everyone. It's very interesting to look at. 
And when you think, right, so the beauty of this, right, in this podcast episode I did is obviously it's on my mind because the book's coming out and this is a key part of the book, but it all goes back to empathy. Yeah. Empathy is the ability to put yourself in another person's shoes. Man, we do that so well when we're looking at steps of service or yeah. creating a dish that the most amount of people are going to love and all that. All we have to do is do this with our marketing. Mm. How would we reach tourists? Maybe through the concierges, yeah. maybe through the travel magazines. Maybe by geofencing. I mean, listen, anytime you land in Las Vegas, they got this down to a science. My phone is, I scroll through while I'm waiting for my bags to come up. All I do is see something from this hotel, that hotel, this show, that show, this restaurant. So let's start a concierge program, which is something we did at Gotham. Let's make sure we're written about in the trade magazines, right? So Delta's got one, United's got one, American Airlines has one. We can work through you know, on the paid media side through paid advertising or the earned media side. We can then geofence. We can, there's other tools we can do. If we send out direct mailers, that's not gonna reach any of the tourists, but it can, meet, you know, can reach maybe our locals. And when we looked at our locals, that was all four, uh, four walls marketing. That was 100% hospitality driven. That was all shaking hands, really getting to know people. That's how we got to know who they were, where they lived, what they wanted from us and how we could best provide them. They're totally different things, ultimately, the tourists are coming in and these locals are coming in for a meal at Gotham, but we're reaching them in different ways. We're serving them in different ways because we're solving different pain points. That's when you start bringing specificity into your marketing and intentionality. And there's no crazy bells and whistles. It's just a matter of closing your eyes and thinking, who dines here? Tourists. <laughs> tourists make up about 30% of my customers. How might I reach tourists? Well, I could do this, I could do that. And it's coming up with a piece of paper where you just scribble down all the different ways you might be able to reach them. When you yeah. start doing that, it changes how you market. And it's suddenly, it, it makes you feel a lot more empowered to actually market. So I don't know, I I love the idea of the of how it, just looking at your room and saying, okay, so they fall in one of these couple categories. But I'd also like to just add, well, I, as somebody, as a chef who worked in a uh, tourist, I worked in US Virgin Islands, Yeah, we used to, um, I don't know if this is the right thing to do, but it was definitely marketing. But we offered a little couple bucks per reservation that we get from the concierge, and it worked like a freaking charm. Sure. So here's the best part. Right? Right? That's here's the best part about a concierge program, right? And every so I did a lot of work in fine dining. Ultimately, it's a relationship business. Mm -hmm. Yes, you can pay them. Yes, you can what? But really, what they want, you got to think again. You got to put yourself in their shoes, right? Put yourself in their shoes. What do they need? Oh yeah. They need when. Mr. Billionaire walks in, just lands from his private jet and says, I, I need to get into, you know, oh, yes. what's the best restaurant? 100%. They need a seven o'clock reservation at one of the five best restaurants in the city. So when I worked at restaurants that were among the best five or 10 restaurants in the city, I made relationship with them and say, hey, listen, basically it was you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Yeah. I'm going to need you to send me customers to send guests at key times, on slow nights, on, mm -hmm. on low weekends, I wanna be able to call you up and say, hey, listen, I really need help filling my book. Yep. In exchange for that, you got a table in this dining room every night of the week, it'll be released at 6.30. You've got it until 6.30. Because yep. I know I'll have a four top walk-in every single night, I could fill that table. But if I can tell two, three, four concierges around town, I got you, when you are stuck, and you need to really send somebody somewhere great, I'm your guy, I will take care of yeah. you. Other okay. restaurants aren't thinking in terms of that or don't have the flexibility in their room 
And I always built flexibility in when I was running the front door at restaurants. Yeah. That's a relationship that begins by thinking, what do they need? Yep. What do they, yeah. what do I need? And making sure to get that yep. relationship. And it really is a relationship. I'm going to help you when you need it. And you're going to help me when I need it. And I need to be able to pick up the phone just like they need to be able to pick up the phone. And it, yep. it changes everything. Oh, absolutely. And I also, I think letting them feel like a little bit of a VIP when they come in or they want to make a resume offering that kind of totally. Yeah, I, I agree. With That's you so easy. That. You invite them in say, Hey, listen, why don't you, you know, bring a couple of uh, you and your colleagues. Why don't, you, why don't you guys each bring your uh, significant other? I'll put together an eight top. So it's four, yep. con four concierges. They're four significant others. We're just going to send a whole bunch of food, right? Like we're just going to make sure you guys are taken care of. Yeah. I don't know. They get to feel like, uh, like rock stars for a night, which they are. Our industry is made up of rock stars. We should be taking care of the others. Yeah. And again, ultimately, it's so we can all help each other. That's right. Yeah, I love that. All right, so put you on the hot seat a little bit. Well, without breaking any kind of confidentiality agreements or name, they don't even need any names, right? Like, what is, and I know this always feels good, right? When you suggest something and it really clicks for somebody and then they put it into practice. Can you give me an example of sort of like a behind the scenes of a restaurant that has implemented just one, maybe one little nugget that could be one of your old pillars that you kind of repurposed in here or, or something directly from the book? Here's yeah, the best thing. Story about that. Here's the best thing. Here's the last chapter of the book. I'm ruining the book for you. I'm ruining the book for all of the Fast listeners forward. here. Fast forward. Spoiler alert. At the very end of the book, I say, great. So how, how do you do this? How do you, right? Because it feels like when you hire a consultant, it drives me crazy. You hire a consultant, spend a lot of money on the consultant. The consultant comes in, tells you all the other things you should spend money on. There's a lot of stuff we do that's absolutely free. That concierge program mm -hmm. can be absolutely free. Here's a great one that I always do that I used to do when I was a maitre d' and when I've consulted, I do this and it's a 20% success rate. So I'll say this and a lot of times I've used it at the fine dining level, though not just at fine dining level, specifically at full service restaurants that take reservations. And I would say to the manager, to the general manager, to the maitre d', hey, listen, what if I told you I could get 20% uh, of the covers tonight to come back in the next two weeks and it'll be absolutely free, but it'll be the hardest thing you've ever done. Mm. Would you do it if I if I if I do it if I if I tell you to do this, and they're like, well, yeah, of course, I, I'll do it. I said, great, give me a hundred bucks. If you slip up even once, you owe me a hundred bucks. But if you do what I tell you to do, and you get the results, which you will, I'll give you a hundred bucks at the end. And I would do this all the time. And I talk about it in the book again at the very last chapter, and it sort of wraps up this idea of hospitality and marketing all in one. So here's what you can't do, and this is what I would tell the manager for the entire night. You cannot say the following words. Thanks so much. Have a great night. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> you, you can't do it because we don't mean it. That's right. actually not what we want to say. We have just shown them a great night. It's not our responsibility to make sure they have the rest of the night is good. We have nothing to do with it. Mm, so instead, let's ask the question we actually want to ask them, which is, thanks so much. When are we going to see you again? Thanks so much. Can I make another reservation? So you do this. Mm. Right. And I, and I challenge all the listeners to do this. Do it tonight. Challenge yourself to touch every single table on their way out. This is why it works really well for a for a GM or for a maitre d'. Right. Thanks so much. Have a great night. They get their coat. They're gone. Gone. Missed opportunity. But with a wink and a smile, you reach out and you shake their hand. And say, thanks so much for coming. Listen, let's get another reservation on the books. When are you coming back? 80 mm. percent. So I said it's a 20 percent success rate which means it's an 80% failure rate. 80% of the people will sort of laugh you off and say, oh, yeah, yeah no, 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 we'll, we'll be back, we'll be back, we'll call you, don't worry. Don't, and they're gone. There's nothing we can do about it. What happens is that 
really one in five tables, when you ask them and specific, right? And this is, you're in sales. It's about asking, right? It's everything in sales is either yes or not now. Right. You're, you're driving to the yes or no. Yep. If you never ask the question, you never get to the yes, which right. is why, thanks so much, have a great night. We didn't even ask the question. Right. So if you, with a wink and a smile, right? You, you got to have a certain smile on your face and you, and you stick out your hand and say, hey, <laughs> thanks so much for coming. Tonight. It was so great to see you. Listen, let me get another reservation on the book for you. What happens is that one out of five tables, 20%, will start thinking of things they have coming up where they might want to host oh, yeah. you. This what, yeah. what happens is somebody goes, oh, you know what? My sister's coming in next week. We didn't know where we were going to go. We should take her here. This was so fabulous tonight because you showed them a great night. Of course they would want to show up or say, oh, my husband, remember, honey, you're, you've got those clients coming and you should bring him here. Man, they'll yeah. be so impressed here. They will think of reasons to come back right. oh. in the next two weeks because here's the thing. Human beings don't think three months, four months, a month out. They think about a week or two. So when I say I can show you uh, something to do to get 20% of your covers back in the next two weeks, I really mean it. It works every single time. You have to give over to it. You have to own it. You can't do it on half the covers. You have to do it on all the covers. Mm. If you do it, it's number one, absolutely free. Number two, it's more hospitable. And let's think back to being human beings. What happens when you get together, right? You host a dinner party at your house. You sit down, right? You sit down. You have a great meal. At the end of the meal, what's happening, right? Everyone says, Man, this was so great. People putting on their coats, walking out. This is so great. We got to do this again sometime, <laughs> right? And if it's a really great time, what do you do? Say, man, let's get something on the calendar right now because we're all going to get busy. Yeah. Really, that's, that's all we're trying to do. We're just trying to be more hospitable. We're trying to be better hosts. Yeah. And ultimately, we're more hospitable and we're better business people because yeah. that's actually what we need to survive. We need more people coming back in. We need more butts in seats. Who yeah. cares if they're new butts or old butts? They're butts that know us, that love us, and we can get them back. Things like that are absolutely free and just more hospitable, and they're, they're not throwaways then. We're taking a wasted opportunity, and we're, and we're changing it. Again, yeah. in the book, we got all these mindset shifts. That's that last mindset shift of here's something so stupid simple that will actually work and, and impact the bottom line of your restaurant overnight. Yeah. I mean, it's another thing from the sales world is – you're doing something that a lot of salespeople do, which is you're already saying no for them. A hundred percent. You don't 100%. know. Yeah, you don't like. It could be a huge benefit if you're like, "Hey, when when are we going to see you again? Yeah, you know, there's two Thursdays in a row. I'm going to put you down for next Thursday. You know, like 100%. something like that. They're like, they might be like, please do. I got a big client coming, and that's that's a relief. If you could do that, that'd be great. Totally. Del How Christmas do you think he nails this to me? Totally. The best. So now we go back in time. Through the 60s, yeah, 70s, right. yeah, 80s, yeah, yeah. 90s, when we had the, the heyday of the maitre d', right? Yeah. Maitre d's back then were the best paid people in the dining room, both on the books and off the books, because they did this really well. Before we had Open Table and Resi and all these things, they were the CRM. They knew everybody. Oh, they knew yeah. everything about the people, and they were really good at doing this. One of the best things about when I was maitre d' in the city, and I opened a lot of restaurants, ran a lot of restaurants. Ultimately, what was really good is that I lived and died by that book. I had to have a certain amount of covers or, or I'd get screamed at. So what do you start doing? You start building relationships. You'd start emailing them or texting them. Oh, yeah. And doing this every single night. It just changes the dynamic. And, and ultimately, that's that old world hospitality, right? Anybody who's ever been to Europe, anybody who's been you know, to any of these great French bistros, any great you know, small you know, little Italian town, 
they do this so so well that's what we're bringing uh, we're bringing it in and guess what this scales this scales. hospitality oh, yeah. you know be, being warm it, it scales yeah i mean I, i've done it myself just recently there's like i just mentioned del frisco's there's a waiter there who kind of brands himself he's like look if you want i always run this section it's the best section here's my card yep. i said can i give this to other people he's like absolutely yep i'm giving it to 10 people you need it right you need you know del frisco's tough to get the, one of those good tables yeah very much a business lunch business dinner kind of place but if you want to take somebody for a little a real new york steakhouse experience i think it's a pretty good restaurant always delivers and if i can call or text this guy to get in there like he's created a little niche for himself and i think that's whether they know so, about it or not i think it works here's the thing right no and del frisco's is very focused on this it's uh, it's interesting you brought that up right first time diners right you, you've been a first time diner. it's probably been years since you've been a first time diner <laughs> yeah the servers have to send them the letter right do you remember that oh that servers that they do a little meeting. postcard yeah, yeah yeah that's right they have to sit <laughs> down and write them uh, a letter yeah um wow so now when you bring up Del Frisco's, this is not just a win-win. It's a win-win-win-win. What you just said is better for the restaurant. It's better for that server. It's better for you. And it's better for your clients. Yeah. Clients have a great experience. You look like the rock star. Server gets paid. The restaurant gets paid. Yeah. Why would we not do it? Right. Yeah. And I said outside the box. Like, you know, now and that's, like and that's marketing. Yeah. So that at its base is marketing. We start with the end in mind, right? Talk about this thing in the in the book called the uh, the triangle principle. Again, what do we want to achieve? Right, customer acquisition, customer retention, and then evangelism. We got to get them in. We got to get them back. We got to get them talking. That thing you just talked about is a retention technique. It's also an evangelism technique. You mm -hmm. said you had the presence of mind. Say, hey, can I give this out? What that guy should have said is, hey, here's this. Anytime you need a, a reservation, you just let me know. And man, give that out. There's people wow. you really want to take care of. You tell them to send them to me too, right? Yeah. Then you're sparking that word of mouth. How do you make uh, how do you make the wildfire catch? You tell them, hey, you can go spread the wildfire. Yeah. And you do. go do it. Yeah, exactly. I gotta imagine, I mean, writing a book definitely something that I've it's not even my thought. It's just so much so much that I, I I just don't think I have the time to sit down and do. But I have to imagine that you get in a groove every once in a while and you sit there and you're like, Holy shit, that's really good. That's really good. And you want to make sure, like, God, how do you make sure somebody doesn't miss this? Is there one nugget in this book that you could point to and say, you know what? That that was that moment. I, this is the one I hope really people catch on to. That's the idea, that this idea of the triangle principle. Oh. If, I can, if I can narrow down to one thing, because it's this idea of systems and goals, that I think there's also something we fail at here in our industry, which is proper goal setting. Yeah. Really being clear on what do I want to happen? Right? What do I want to achieve? and then putting a system in place to help you achieve that goal. So when we talk about this triangle principle of attraction, retention, and evangelism, that's how we successfully market restaurants. We figure out how to raise awareness for a brand and how to get new people in the door. Then we figure out how to get those new people to come back and how we get our people to come back with greater frequency. And then how do we get people to go spread the word for us, right? I often ask this, I say, I'll, I'll be giving talks and I'll say, hey, what's the most powerful marketing tool we have? And everybody yells back at me, word of mouth. Mm. And I say, great. And I start pointing to people in the audience. I say, great. Talk to me about your word of mouth strategy. Talk to me about some of the word of mouth tactics you have. Nobody answers it. The answer they usually give me is, no, no, no. Great food. We show them a great time. And then they're going to tell people about it. Absolutely not. There's no guarantee they're going to tell people about it. So you have to make it obvious yeah. and easy for them to tell people about it. Same thing with customer acquisition, customer retention. 
there are specific things we do to accomplish the goal. So if there's any overarching thing that I hope people take away from the book is that you have to start with the end in mind. And P.S., this is what we do in my mastermind. We start with targeting uh, net operating income. Yep. If we want to make a certain amount of money, which P.S., we all should be thinking that way. <laughs> I want to make this much. What kind of revenue do I need to drive and how do I need to arrange my expenses to be able to give me this amount of money on the back end? Hmm. Too often we just sort of like, you know, what's, what's the path to profit, right? Lots of revenue, you know, maximize revenue, minimize expenses. Yeah. So, we, so we, you know, sort of maximize what we get at the end. But it doesn't work that way in actuality. Really what we have to do is we've got to start with the end in mind. So if there's any takeaway that, uh, that I hope people get from the book is that just by changing your mindset, starting with the end in mind, saying, what do I want to achieve? What do I want to happen? What am I going to do to make that thing happen? And is that stuff working? Is yeah. what I'm doing working? And if not, we go back to the drawing board. That's the biggest thing that will change your restaurant. That's my number one question to new clients on the real estate search side is, how do you envision your restaurant ending? Because oh, I love that. That's going to guide every other principle. So every step you make, you know, like, oh, sh should I bring on an investor? Should I consider this market? Well, you said you wanted to end here. Does this get you further there? It's, it is, it's a mindset shift. I mean, everything you're talking about here, can we get applied to, to that too, which I think is, which I think is great. And it's, it's, these are, these are basic oh. business principles. Yep. If there's any, again, if there's any superpower I have and you know, people have asked me, well, why would I, why would I join you? Why would I listen to your podcast? Why would I join your group? If there's anything I do really well. It's taking, you know, really complicated ideas and just simplifying them, making them really actionable, simple frameworks. So not only you can adopt them, but you can pass them on to your team. Mm -hmm. You can get more out of your marketing agency. There's plenty of people who are going to read the book that have a marketing agency. Yeah. But they're going to get more out of their marketing agency because guess what marketing agencies do when they sit down, when you engage them? Well, we did this and we did this and we did that and we did this and this and this. They just tell you all the stuff they do. Yeah. And I don't care what they do. I always talk about the marketing agency I work with. I bet you there are weeks where my account executive, right, the, the woman I work with, I bet you she works 30 minutes on my, on my account. Right. I don't care how much she spent because I'm not paying her for the work. Right. I'm paying her for the results. Exactly. And if she doesn't get the results, I'm not gonna. I'm. I'm gonna end the. Uh, I'm gonna end the agreement. I'm gonna go find somebody who can. Yeah. That for me. I start with the end in mind. What do I want to happen? Is she making those things happen? It's yes or no. Yeah. Same thing with every, it's going to help you be more intentional with the conversations you have with your agency partners, with any freelancers you bring on, with your team. I don't care what you're doing. Tell me what you're accomplishing. Tell yeah. me what you're trying to accomplish. And then tell me what you're doing to accomplish that because then we can measure whether the thing is working or not working. Just to give Chris Doe another shout out. Have you ever seen his video on that, on the pricing? He's when somebody says, how much is it going to cost me for the brand, for the logo? He's like 15 grand. And he's like, how long is it going to take? He's like, I could, have, I could have it to you tomorrow. And the guy gets upset. It's like, tomorrow, I'm going to pay you 15 grand to give this to me tomorrow? He's like, well, what's more important? Would it, be, would it be more valuable if I gave it to you six weeks from now? Yeah. Like, what do you value there? And I think that's a, restaurants, I think, are caught in this thing like, hey, I pay this guy hourly and he produces it's X. It's 100% because... The world is this way, right? This is that rich dad, poor dad mentality. This right. is that four hour work totally. week mentality. There are so many great mindset shift books out there, which is really what I was striving to write here, right? Because mm -hmm. I was impacted 25 years ago when I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm -hmm. I was impacted 10, 12 years ago when I read Four Hour Work Week. They're not get rich 
uh, quick schemes, they are changing the way you think about money. It's about changing your relationship to money. Ultimately, that's what I hope all restaurant owners do. They think of themselves entrepreneurially because guess what? That's what you guys are. That's right, right? I'm not paying for the work. I'm not paying for you to do the work. I'm not paying hourly. I'm paying for the result. Yep. If you can make the result happen, that's all I care about. Yeah. All right. So look, I know you're busy. We got to go here, but I have to ask you. I know you're on the heels of this book just coming out. You're out here talking about it, but when can we expect the follow-up? It's a great <laughs> question. Um, <laughs> you know, I told myself I. I, I Life gets life gets crazy for all of us, right? You of all people know this at this exact moment <laughs> in your in your life, right? I wanted to have the next draft, you know, the first draft of the next book ready by the time this one came out. <laughs> and that's not a real and that's not a reality, but that's really more my fault than anything else because I am deciding what I want the next book. I don't know if I want to write another restaurant book, which mm. I probably will and should. Or if I want to write a broader appeal book because my path is really interesting, at least I think it's interesting. I took the side door into the industry, yep. and I think a lot of people take the side door into this industry and a lot of their other careers. And part of me wants to write a book about that mm. because we get so focused at 17. To ask somebody at 17 or 18 what they want to do with their life yeah, is insane. Crazy. It's, cr it's crazy. And I think we beat ourselves up unnecessarily so. I think I beat myself up mm -hmm. unnecessarily so. And I think I kept myself uh, for a long time away from doing the thing that I was probably really good at doing or yeah. could make a lot of impact doing, which is what I feel now. So I don't know if I want to write another book right now for the industry. If it would be, it'd be about profitability because mm. I'm so focused on that right now. Um, or writing a book for people to just figure out how their side hustle can be their real their real gig. And I love that. as the world changes and sort of talking about my journey. But, but we'll see. I think... I think both of them will come out eventually. I don't know which is the one that's going to come out first. Well, I guess we'll have to stay tuned. Stay tuned <laughs> on social. Um, obviously, the book is available. I'm going to say Amazon, but I could be wrong. No, man. Listen, you can go to Amazon. Yeah. But, but here's, that, here's that DoorDash Uber Eats conversation, right? There you can get a third party. You can go to Amazon. Or you can go to therestaurantmarketingmindset.com. Um, that's my site for this book. And uh, I get every single dollar generated there unlike the $4 I get if it sells on Amazon. So right, right. just there like we, we try to tell all the restaurant owners to, to send their guests to first party, if you, wanna, if you wanna help support me, you can do that. Go to therestaurantmarketingmindset.com. Do that. Forget what I said. Do what he said. Um, <laughs> all right. I'll see you out there. Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, it's a great book, guys. There's so much to take away from this. Chip, the podcast obviously dives into all, all the details. Um, and I'm sure that if you can catch him at one of these restaurant conference is probably a good idea to try to bend his ear while you're there but uh i appreciate the time buddy congrats on the book it's super super inspiring to see this and um i think it's a must-have to add to any restaurant owner's bookshelf so congrats Listen, dude thanks kyle i appreciate you sharing this conversation with your audience all just trying to serve i appreciate it all right guys take care we'll see you next week all right folks that's another episode of close monday in the bag look if you've been listening and you're still here it's clear that you're someone who's committed to taking their business and their life to the next level. So just don't let this be something that you just listen to and forget about. You got to take action on what you learned today. And look, I, I don't ask for a lot from you guys. Here's the deal. If you found any value in this episode, please subscribe. Leave me a review. Not for me, but for yourself. You don't want to miss 
the actionable insights that we've got lined up for future episodes, the guests who have their story to share. And if you think this podcast could change someone else's game, could change their direction of their business, of their restaurant, then understand that your network is your net worth. So if you share that with people, you start to become, you're the, you're the one, right? You're, you're the one they're going to go to and you start to attract the right people into your life. You attract more people into your business and that's just the way that it goes. Um, now for some real interaction, like I said, if you screenshot that you are listening to this show, tag the show, tag me, I will send you a Close Monday t-shirt. And if you've got a burning question or topic you want to tackle, like I said, you can always DM or shoot me an email at kyle at four-turns.com. Your question just might be the focus point of a whole new episode. That's it, right? Like that, that's kind of how this goes. We're always looking for inspiration. So uh, keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your feet on the ground. Stay humble. And until next week, this is Close Monday. And I'll see you soon. Thanks, guys.